Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about Better Call Saul Season 4 Episode 10, it's called Winner, which is uh, the season finale, so full spoilers for the episode as always. Here we are. Yeah, shall, shall, I, shall we start by saying yeah, okay, I was wrong. I can't remember what you're wrong about, but so do, do fill me in, what are you wrong about? <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe three or four episodes ago I said, you know... I don't think there's going to be a moment where it's like, okay, that's Ah, it. yes, yes, there's a moment. There's a moment. <laughs> all, right, all right, screw it. Okay, there's a moment. This was such a big moment. And what tells you it's the moment is not even Saul, it's Kim. Kim's what tells you this is the moment. Her yeah. reaction is what tells you it's the moment. But, and, then, and then the follow-up is, okay, that's definitely the moment. Yeah, it's the moment because he says the line. He says it's all good, man. Yeah. Do you know Joe, I think it's juicy about this episode. I think the rating, because this has been a very understated season compared to the previous seasons in terms of it being a, a slower build, mm. sort of lower, lower, you know, lower keynote. I know um, there have been a, a lot of people who haven't been as into it this season. They've been like, no, nah, it's too slow. Yeah, and I remember a lot of people saying that Breaking Bad season two, and I never really got that at the time either, and I always felt like, well, once it ramps up in season three, your complaints are kind of going away anyway. Like, you, like, you know, this is, and I feel kind of the same way here. This served its purpose. It really did, yep. and I think this finale is kind of exceptional. Particularly that final scene is exceptional, and I, or when I say final scene, I'm including the, the actual hearing as yeah, well. I thought so. As a whole thing. And the reason why I say that is because I think it plays with your expectations and it subverts them multiple times, but every time it subverts them, it makes more sense than the last time. And that's yeah. what's genius. I always give Rogue One, no, Rogue One, sorry, Last Jedi, the other shitty Star Wars movie. <laughs> I always give Last Jedi shit for subverting expectations but not actually like making sense once they're subverted right and you can agree or disagree with that but in this show in this finale this this final this final five ten minutes everything works and makes sense he's playing the con and then it's like he's actually having the moment where, he, where, where kim's been waiting all season for him to finally like finally like hit him that chuck is dead and kind of accept what that is and kind of actually grieve over it and it's just buyable enough because it does feel real. It feels like he's he's realizing that Chuck did love him as a brother, but not as a lawyer. And it feels like he's understanding that. And then there's a point where he's almost going too far and you start to think, wait a minute, is this just more of a con? And then not only does he reveal so, even if even if you if you even if you saw it coming, even if you think to yourself, I think he's playing them here. Yeah, I think the way it hits Kim means that it works no matter what. If it works, if you're along with her and you equally get gut punched, then fantastic. If you're not along with her, then you're dreading her finding out, and it's equally a gut punch. I think it works either way, which is the yeah, beauty yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I would say I was along with him. Like I knew, I kind of like okay, I got pretty quickly. It was an act, and I'm like, oh god, she doesn't know. Do you know? I can say I I had a turning point. There was the, the point in the, the thing for me where I realised this wasn't real. Because it started off very authentic because it felt like... Because it, it appears with another scene in this episode. There's a, there's a great sequence in the middle of this episode where he's on the committee for the scholarships that they do every year now in, in Chuck's name. And he's on the board and we get this montage of all these kids coming in and they're, they're all... Yeah. And credit where credit's due, these all actually look high school age students as opposed to most TV shows where they're like 20. <laughs> because they don't really need to do much acting. It's like, right, go in, say three words. Exactly, but the, the reason I say that is because I'm so used to TV high school age, they all look too young to me, but, it's all, but that's not true. They're actually the right age. I'm yes. just so used to TV having aged up kids. Yes. But they all come in 
and he gives us little because Hamlin's kind of kind of perked himself up over the over the year, right? He's he's kind of back. He's in looking form. healthier. His his hair's back in shape. Yes, that hair. Yeah, yeah. Has to, meticulous care of that hair. It's very important. Yeah. I think that that's that's how you know the state of Hamlin's mind is how's the hair. <laughs> but and he makes this argument for this girl who who was lifted for for shoplifting um once right and he kind of sticks up for her. he says hey i was the only one who voted for her to get the because because they've, they've all they've all voted and like there's three front runners and they've got three scholarships they're like oh well i mean there's nothing to argue about them we've got three places there's three that are winning why not and jimmy chimes in and says hey maybe her perspective because she's someone who did get caught doing something wrong suffered the consequences and understands and respects that someone was there for. Maybe that that viewpoint is valid, and he's kind of sticking up for himself in a, in a way here, of course. Like he's kind of yeah. talking about himself, and you know, and Hamlin kind of said, you know, that's a good argument, Jimmy. And they still vote against her, right? It still doesn't happen. Uh, but I believe Hamlin when he respects what he said. I actually th- I take Hamlin at his word here. I think he does genuinely appreciate well, what the point he just made. Yeah, Hamlin's never been disingenuous. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true, but. Jimmy runs out after the girl who 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 was in you know in discussion and like, catches what the hell are you on about? Yeah, catches up with her and she just kind of looks like, why is this weird forty forty year old man <laughs> accosting me in the street? What's going on? And he's, he tries to give her this pep talk that says, look, they're never going to accept you because you did one thing wrong. And again, he's really talking about himself. He he, he sees some of him in her, and she's not done anything nearly as bad as some of the shit he's pulled. She's done one thing. She's done one thing and didn't get a scholarship for it. But he sees enough of himself in her that he gives her this speech about, look, it doesn't matter if they don't give a shit about you. They're never going to accept you. They're never going to let you in. You just take it anyway. And what I think is great about this scene, not only does he break down in the car afterwards when he goes in, back into the car, yeah. uh, and the car doesn't start. My first read of that scene, which I think ultimately is the right one, is him accepting that he is never going to be you know, accepted by them. He's never going to yeah. be included in this world. He he realizes that. But I think what's what's wonderful about this scene where he's he's reading Chuck's letter and then he says, You know what, I'm not going to use this letter. This is between me and him and he you know he gives his own speech. One of the things he says is he talks about how not only did Chuck love him as a brother but not a lawyer and kind of admitted his flaws. He says Chuck always knew who he was. He was never unclear about it. So you can read this scene paired with that other scene as him realizing who he is and accepting yeah. it, right? And I think that works either way, even with the outcome. But you could read that as he's accepting that and he'll keep fighting to be to, to sort of prove himself and be better. Or the actual way you're going to read it once you get to the end of the episode is that, no, he realizes he's the scummy guy and he's always going to be scummy and he's accepting that. And that's what he's going to do. Yeah, that, w- that was what I was kind of expecting the whole time, especially like, when it gets to the point where he goes, oh, you know, I want to, you know, keep the McGill name going. Oh, I laughed. I laughed at that. I I just, you know, oh, he's, he's getting rid of that immediately. Like, you just know where this is going. Because you know he's going to be Saul Goodman. We've known this since the start of the show. So you know it has to be soon for his, for his law license. Oh yeah, relatively speaking, yeah. Because, but it's when he said that, I just started laughing because I'm like, because even if, even if you read this scene as as, as legit and, 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 you know, forthcoming, you know, eventually he's, he's going to change. You know, eventually it's going to, he's not even going to use that yeah. name. I, I love the idea that he, he says that as like a slap in the face to Chuck's like, mm. screw you, I'm not even going to use the name. I'm not, you know, it's not even going to be anything good anymore. And Joe, I think the saddest part of that speech is, is when you realise he's using it as a lie and he's taking the lesson that he has where he's like, no, no, I'm never going to be accepted. So screw you, I'm going to take it and do it my own way. Is that the thing he actually says 
is actually the thing he should be taken from it. And that's the really sad part. It's kind of staring him in the face that Chuck did love him as a brother. And that, I think that's the purpose of the opening scene, the flashback, when, when Jimmy first becomes a lawyer. And Chuck wants to leave the, the party afterwards, but he forces him to... And there's a, there's a great little moment in this karaoke as well where Chuck decides that Jimmy's shit at this and takes over. And that's kind of like just their relationship in a nutshell. You're yeah, shit at this, I'm going to do it. Jimmy's like, come on, you know, share it. And, and, and he just... He just He's reluctant, and then he's like, all right, all right, fine. I'll do it myself. Yeah, and he takes over, which is perfect for the movie. And, you know, Jimmy just stands back, claps along, and he goes with it. But when he takes him home afterwards, and they start singing in bed together, and Chuck doesn't go home, he stays there, and he says, what do you want for breakfast in the morning? And they start singing together. And it's like, yeah, okay. He, he Professionally, he has disrespected him. And don't get me wrong, we have seen Chuck pull a lot of shit with, with Jimmy, and it's, it's felt very cold. He should have been more honest with them, that is absolutely true. Yeah. But he did seem to be a good brother who looked out for him in every other way, from what, from well, what we've seen. I mean, one of the earliest things that we saw in the show was Chuck rescuing Jimmy from a, from a cell. And here's where, the interrogation room. Here's where I think this is genius. And something that marries this plot with Kim, and we've already talked about how it relates to Kim and how he's got someone that he's sort of trying to prove himself to, someone yep. that he, and so on. But here's where this point, I think, marries to Kim's plot absolutely perfectly with kim his entire thing with her is that despite the fact that she loves him despite the fact that she lives with him despite the fact they're in a committed relationship he's hung up on the fact that she won't do that one thing which is share a law office or become a partnership he's hung up in that one detail despite the fact that everything else in their lives she is with him completely and, and mutually it's the same thing with chuck he's there for him he does everything for him but because he's not there in the in the capacity of, of a lawyer, the capacity of a professional relationship, he can't it's, get past that. It's the same thing. It's the uh, the disrespect that he feels. I think. Mm. No, sure. It's like, okay, you know, they, they like me, they love me, but they don't respect me professionally, and that's what hurts him. Yeah, and I think that's what's be- beautiful about this is that I think there's a moment in this episode when I realised that everything we're doing with Kim, where that one thing is important, that that when she brought that up that a few episodes ago when they had that fight or not even the fight when, well it was the fight actually yeah it was the fight I, I was thinking of the scene in the diner but they thought that's, she actually brought it up in the fight later on is he's fixated on that one thing it doesn't matter that everything else is part you know they're, they're shared and they're they're, they're, they're they're together like presumably mm. forever I mean they're not proposed to each other yet but I mean like it's going in that direction you yeah, know the they're a very settled couple in that regard. And she puts up with so much shit. She helps him with so much of his crazy shit. And he never like stops to realise that, hey, maybe I should acknowledge the fact that no matter how many crazy like things I get into, no matter how many crazy times I have to do one of these ruses, and she's there, even though she doesn't like it. And she does kind of like it to an extent. Because I think the beautiful part about this is that there are stuff from Kim's perspective where you analyze and go, okay, this is why Jimmy appeals to her. This is why she sees yeah. something in him. And, and so on. Yeah, we've, we, we've been over the last few episodes, especially. Yeah. Um, but everything that he's going through with Kim is just a repeat of what he's, he's kind of went through with Chuck. And yeah. I think that's what Kim realizes kind of in that final moment. I, I, I think when at first the gut punch of him saying oh they bought it those suckers one of them even was i think had a tear and we saw her crying we knew she was crying yeah. as well yeah and you know then he says to the other the woman comes up and says hey it's good news and it's you know they, they go off and say hey, oh i need a form as well i'm, I'm not going to be practiced under under the name jimmy mcgill and kim's like what and he's like it's all good man and he just and that's it and she's left there standing 
Give, it gives her the finger guns and, and that's it. It might be the best closing scene of a finale yet. I don't know if it's the best finale yet, but it's the best closing scene of a finale yet. The final moment to, to leave us on. Because this yeah. is the moment. This is Saul. This is... Yeah. Okay, we're but on this path. That's the moment. It's... Uh, it's no, it's, obviously, we've lost over all the other ruses leading up to this. Him standing at the, the gravestone so that people on the anniversary so that people will see him. You know, people in the law community will see him and, you know, paying for the, the library and, and all yeah. the rest of it. Got the film crew, like, spreading rumours that he paid for it, which he did. He and did. He's, yeah. he's mortified that he paid for it, but he did. <laughs> yeah, it's not just spreading rumours. It's just, it's true. It's just, he didn't want to put his name publicly because this is, this is, looks better. Yeah, yeah, he's meant to be genuine. He wants it to be out there, but doesn't want to because he's really disappointed. He wants to eat the buffet, and he's not allowed to because he's too—he's meant to be so too sad to eat. <laughs> but he paid yeah. for it all. He's upset. I, yeah. I—I I mean, I'm not saying what he's doing is right, but I would equally be upset if I couldn't eat my own buffet. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think I could ever be too sad to eat. No, if, it, if there's a buffet there, I'm sad. That's just going to cheer me up. I think I actually I have to be devastated if I if to lose my appetite. Absolutely devastated. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't think I've ever been there. I have to have had like the you know the shock and horror of something really really sickening in your stomach, um, which doesn't happen often, thankfully. It shouldn't for most people, but um, a year after a funeral, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat a burger. Oh, burger. <laughs> It's fine. Proper You know, because there's that thing earlier on where he's, he's eating the bear claw, which also made me want a bear claw, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and he's just kind of mouthing it down and they're talking about him pretending to be sad and the entire time he's just he's just wolfing this down. He doesn't care. And I'm okay, so this isn't the path we've, we've been on, but um, you think for a second you're almost filled into thinking you might have had this breakthrough, but he's actually just went deeper in the other direction. He's just he went off the deep end. Yeah. Again, I think it's it's you kind of get it pretty quickly while he's at the at the gravestone because it's like it's so over the top that I'm like, oh sure, yeah. Like you just you just like okay, this is a ruse. Well, that's the beauty of the, that, that that hearing scene at the end is that the acting actually has to play it genuine. He has to, he, you know, Bob Odenkirk had to perform that, convince them. Yeah. yeah. So he, he, you know, he has to kind of convince us, and well, we can kind of guess, and there's maybe a point where you go, this is maybe nah. I'm wondering if he's actually up to this. Is this just a long con? Um. I think the acting has to be good enough to pull that off, and it and it works. And I think the I mean the performances in this show are fantastic all around. Yeah. And uh, you know, Kim afterwards, her reactions gold. Uh, now it's kind of the perfect final moment. Get into uh, into the next next season. Uh, maybe the last one. Although, um, I would I I wouldn't be shocked to think to hear there's going to be six. I wouldn't be shocked that if next season is the last season in this part of the timeline. And then there's a season post Breaking Bad. That would not shock me. Yeah, just uh, please don't do the bullshit splitting seasons. Just call them two separate seasons. Oh sure. Yeah, I wasn't thinking they're going to do that. No, but yeah, you know what they're like. I don't think they would anyway, because this has got shorter seasons in it. You know, it's only ten episodes, so I think. That's true. Yeah, you know, whereas Breaking Bad, it was like 13 typically, and they bumped it to 16 and split it in half. I know, yeah, I'm just thinking, obviously, since that was a thing, then um, Vikings, which obviously, you know, different network entirely, but they, they started doing it where they were like, you know, from season four, it's like, you know, part one and part two. And the seasons before were 10 episodes, and part one and part two were just 10 episodes each. I'm like, well, why not just call it 
two, four, five, six, and seven. Yeah, that's weird. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's more about contracts and how they pay people. I think I, I don't think it's got anything to do with like the the neatness of the numbering for us. I think it's just purely. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. You think? Okay. We had you for four four seasons. No matter how yeah. many episodes were in that season. I think I think I don't know if it's specifically that that exact point, but it might be or something like that. Where mm, I be- can see it because we're calling it one season we have you under contract still, or, or you know, something like that. Uh, maybe they still have to film it as one season in one big block, but, you know, they're essentially getting two seasons out of it kind of thing. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that'll be the case with this, though. A, because they've not done it with their previous seasons, and I know they, didn't, they hadn't done it with Breaking Bad either. I think the difference here, though, is that with Breaking Bad, they didn't know what they had, and it became this huge hit by the end. I think, and they wanted to extend it as much as they could. I think with this, they know exactly what they had going in, they knew. Yeah, they know, know where they are. Yeah, like, okay. very consistent. They know exactly what they're milking it for. Exactly. Um, equally, though, as much as I say we could get a final season that's set, you know, you know, post Breaking Bad, I could also see it just been one episode. I could see like, and not the last episode. I could see it being like two episodes from the end. We get one full black and white episode. I can see it just being. You know how this season we've had a lot of different openings. Hmm. Like you know, in in various points of the timeline. I can see it just being a season, just dedicate, okay, just the openings, and it'll build... Okay, but every, every episode will have a black and white opening. Yeah. Okay, I could see that, yeah. Yeah. That, that'd totally work that. for me. It, it just depends how much they've got. Uh, there. Yeah. But I think I think I saw producers say they haven't ruled out the idea of a post-Breaking Bad season. So I think that's why it's on the table. It's not... On the cards, yeah. yeah. Has, it, has it been renewed already? Yeah, it was renewed way yeah. back at the start of the season. So. I thought so. It's it was it was much earlier than usual, wasn't it? Yeah, usually we don't get it till after it's aired or just before the uh, finale. But yeah, uh, this was it. This was renewed. I think just after episode one aired. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, I thought I remembered that. Um, so good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, so like, I, I think it's a lower key season, but Saul's journey this year and Kim's journey. And how they have related to each other has been such an important thing. And actually, I love that it's kind of the inverse of last season. Remember last season, we thought, oh, it's all going to go shit by the end. This season, it was going kind of bad in the middle, and we thought, no, they're going to be back together by the end. And they kind of were, but the last second, they swerved us. Yeah, he just just has to ruin it in that last final, like, 20 seconds. It is, that's all it took. That's all it took was the final 20, 30 seconds. What a prick. That's all it took. Uh, it's, It's fantastic, though. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't uh, I and it's the writing here that I, I mean, obviously the acting's phenomenal and the direction's usually great, but it's it's the the writing, uh, the way it plays with your expectations and how every single time it pulls a swerve, it makes more sense than what it was before every time mm-hmm. in that final ten minutes. Yeah, and it's how well the characters have been set up up until this point. It's, it's gold. So, something I love about this is is by contrast, you know, the Mike plot. Mm-hmm. There's no swerve at all. It's just no. straight through exactly what you expect, and that delivers so perfectly. And in contrast to it, okay, so we don't need to do swerves in both. We can have our straight line, and we can go all over the place. And what made the, what made the make one work as a straight line is because you're terrified of the ending. You don't want that. that the, you know where it's going yeah. the whole time. We, we, I mean, we said it last week. We knew exactly where it was going to go. Yeah. But you just don't want it to. You you're waiting for it to. You're you're hoping it swerves you to have a way out. Yeah, and we had some fun, you know, Mike, you know, with a plan, try to talk to the guy, the the you know the not the bank, but the the travel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thingamajig, and he's we see him, you know, take the leaflets and he's formulating a plan. He's calling the right places, um, and he's on the hunt. But you know, Lalo has has been watching Gussie's place, like, and he what, sees one Mike. of the uh, one of the earliest moments I loved in this in this mm. plot this episode was um. 
right in the first scene, it's like, okay, you know, Mike's sending out the troops to right go find him. He's like, you guys go check the highway, you know, one north, one one south, you know, you you're staying here. And as soon as they're all gone, he's like, right, okay, where's the money? And he immediately is like, no. He's like, I'll just send them off. I'm dealing with this myself, but I've got to make it look yeah, like they're doing something. I, I got that as well. It was kind of like, I mean, sure they might find him, but he was ta- he was keeping the most likely approach for himself by yeah, far. Yeah, he, he wanted to keep it personal. And he tried to, you know, when he gave Gus the letter, and because because you because know, he even said in the letter he was coming back. He was only going to be gone for four days. He went to go see his wife. Yeah. He's going to come and, back. And Mike's like, no, I I do believe him. Yeah, he's you know he's kind of sticking up for him. He knows he's messed up, but he's trying to like talk gus out of you know having him killed basically and having his wife killed which is also kind of under threat here yeah. um and Lalo's following him and you know we get this this car sequence um with him mike realizes he's been followed and he takes him into the into the car park and he's chewing the gum and this is where you're like okay mike's got a plan yeah you're like what you don't know what it is yet but you're like, okay he's doing something yeah i actually thought i was gonna put gum over the the front of the the slot you know the, the parking ticket yeah, I thought it was a, a really neat shot here. You know when he reached into the, the glove box to get the, the gum? Mm-hmm. And you see the gun in there as well. It's like, okay, that's just re- reminding us that that's there. Yeah, and it, what's great about it is we don't need to be reminded Mike has a gun. I, I'd expect him to have a gun somewhere. Right, of course. But, but it yeah. just it's just like, here you go, it's there. Yeah, it's good foreshadowing for later. Because yeah. it's the gun he uses later. Um, do you know what I like about this? We talked about uh, subverting expectations. Here's, here's a little subversion that I want to... I want to point out. So there's a, a, th- a third party in this scene where you know Lalo's in the car, makes in his car, and they're kind of waiting to move. There's a th- there's a third party, a guy with a big like slushy. He's got a big cup, right? Yeah. And you see him with this big cup, and you okay, right? That's going to be spilled somewhere by the end of it's this. Go, it's going everywhere, yeah. Right. And I think in traditional movie and TV rules, you're thinking there's going to be some close calls. There's going to be like, oh, it's almost spelled. And, oh, no, it's almost. And then it's going to be the joke at the end. No, no, I mean, Saul can have a joke at the end like this. It can have the punchline. Saul's not against doing that from time to time. No. But there's a certain way of playing with it. Um, but instead, the next time you see it, it's just, that's it. It's, it's going. It's gone. Like, there's no... There's no uh, build up to it. It's like it sets it up, and it's just no, no. It's, it's not a thing. Lalo's so damn impatient that he, he, that we don't get the close calls. Exactly. Uh, which I, I think this episode, this episode and last episode, obviously gives his personality. Last time, I think this one gave us a lot of how he operates, and I think the scene. Now, I actually think my one complaint of this episode is I do think him crawling in the ceiling like a serial killer, you know, almost like Michael Myers esque, the way he disappears yeah. off camera. Is a little bit on the silly side, uh, but I can roll with it, and I'll roll with it because I get the point the scenes try to make. Because he goes back to the guy who works there, and he's like, "Oh God, Mike, Mike, of course, was played very civil. He he had a convincing story. He had no intention of harming the kid. You know, Leo was probably just going to kill him, right? Yeah. And but Leo can't just pull out the gun and ask questions from that side of the glass. He has to invade his space and get in there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like the kitchen. It's just like the kitchen with natural. He had to be in there already. He had to be yeah. in his personal and space. I, I think this one's a little bit even more, you know, literal that he has to be in there because, you know, it's a place dealing with money. They're like, yeah, okay, this is probably bulletproof glass. Oh, sure, yeah. But I, I think it's more about how how he operates here. You know, I think it's symbolizing how he... he he's, he's not just happy with getting the thing done. He has to get in and make you uncomfortable um and we see the kids like lying on the floor he's dead afterwards like he uh you know we've had it teased that Lilo's bad news uh and we're just kind of we're waiting to get the, the bigger glimpse of this i actually i love the scene where he because he, he he gets enough information that he, he he phones the place you know the where 
where uh, Werner's staying, and he he calls him pretending to be one of Gus's men, and he's like, "Oh, I'm calling the behalf of, of Gus Fring," and he, you know he's like, "You just try to get me to speak, just mention details and just just get something." And, and obviously, you know, I was like, "Well, uh, you know, tell tell Michael I'll be back." Did it? Did he? Did Michael not show you the letter? And he's like, "Ah, oh, okay, I have a name." Yeah, Michael, and then he's and he's, he keeps mentioning, oh, just the the wall, the blasting will be fine, the construction will go fine. He's like, oh, there's construction, so you know he's getting little tidbits yeah, of things. Yeah, nothing that'll place anything, nothing that'll tell him what they're building, just that they're doing something. Um, and I actually my favorite part of this scene is Michael like puts his hand because Mike's on his in pursuit, he's he's on his way there. I mean, know he's on his way there, yeah. and his hand just comes in and he pulls the phone out of his hand, and he just puts his, the phone up to his ear, and there's just silence, and you know, Lelo's like. Uh, you still there? You still there? And he just like, it was like, like five seconds pass, and then he smiles and goes, "Is this Michael?" He just he knows what's happened, and yeah. I'm like, "Okay, Lalo's interesting, and more more so than that, he's an interesting adversary for Mike because he's, he's almost on Mike's level." Yeah, because the the way he plans, the way he went back and like also discovered where the guy went, the, the you know the way he like thought the process through, the, the way even the way that he was at the start with the binoculars, like just watching the place, he's methodical. He 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 thinks right, like Mike writing does. Writing down all the 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 license plates for yeah. the for the trucks. So clearly, this is this is like maniacal, not maniacal. Uh, I'm I'm thinking in terms methodical. of uh, no, I'm thinking in terms of D and D alignments. This is a uh, chaotic evil Mike, whereas Mike is like neutral. He's lawful evil. Oh, he's lawful, yeah, sure, yeah, that's good. Way of putting it. Um, he's lawful evil. Yeah, but they're, 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 they seem to be almost equal in terms of the smarts. Which... Yeah, it, at the moment, from what we've seen, Lalo seems slight behind because Mike outsmarted him, right? I think and, Lalo. And Lalo had to just brute force his way through. I think Lilo's behind because he's got a temper. I, I think the way he just smashed through the, the the car barrier was him was showing us that he's he's as smart as Mike, but he lets his emotion get the better of him when when he's tested. Yes, which realistically means he's probably a lot more dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, it means he's a lot more of a loose cannon. Yeah, I hate to use that phrase because it's such a cheesy phrase, but it, that's kind of it, it is, applies yeah. in this case. In, interesting that we we had all this stuff, but but no Nacho again this time. No, natural, but we'll get natural. I'm sure he'll be back. Oh, uh, of course he'll be back. It just it was interesting that we didn't even check in with him in in the final episode. I guess it was just like here's here's the focus of what what the the the, the final is, and it's these two plot lines, and we're just going to yeah. I mean, and it was packed. I mean, this was longest episode of the season, right? This was a full hour. So, uh, so was the last one, pretty much. Both this and the last one oh, were, okay. were both longer. Because I, I as soon as it started, I checked because I was curious. Oh, I wonder if this one's longer as well. And I go, oh, it's a full hour. Okay, yeah. So. Okay. Uh, so that's cool, but yeah. So at least this scene where he's got he's got Werner and they, they, he drives him out to this middle of nowhere location, and he's not even told Gus yet because he goes on the phone and tells Gus, and Gus basically is like, "Nah, gotta do it. I'm sending I'm sending men. Stay there." And Mike he tries to talk him out of it one last time, and then when he's not going to relent, he says, "I'll take care of it." Because like he said earlier in the episode, this is my mess. Yeah. So he's willing to do it, and he. He gets around to, to phone his wife and be like, "Go home. Do not, you know, get yourself mixed up in this." Basically, yeah, pretty much. And I, I really like that. That was like a sign of like he still cares about this guy. He still cares about the innocent wife. He's making a point of saying, "Hey, look, I'm about to kill." He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't say those words, but it, it, he knows he's, what's going on. He's yeah. getting it. You know, at this point, he understands what's happening. He's like, "No, tell her to go home. Those people following her. Uh, you can't let you know give her an indication of why." 
she can't, you know, come. You, you know, you have to lie, just say whatever. And it's kind of upsetting because he has to kind of make her mad at him. Like, his final words to his wife is basically him like, getting all demanding and bossy. Just shut up and go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be her final memory of him. But it's yeah. kind of this thing where he has to do that or she's, she's, she yeah. might be and, in harm's way herself. And he knows exactly what's going on because he's like, you know, when I st- when she stops hearing from me, she's going to phone the police. It's, there's going to be thing, you know, it's going to get reported. But they've got a plan. They've got, they've got, you know, they've got lawyers. Yeah. They've got, they've got a, a story they're going to have set up. Yeah. Uh, all the rest of it. Uh, and this is another one where the acting just completely nails the whole thing. It is, yeah. It's Mate, so when Mike's telling him to phone his wife and then he kind of realises why he has to phone his wife, he's like, oh, let me call her, let me call her right now and he starts shouting and he's like, calm down, you're not phoning her until you've calmed down. Like, you know, he, again, Mike's very methodical, he makes sure that everything's kind of in place. Um, it's almost like the last like thing he can do for him as a friend is make sure that his wife's okay and that's what he's doing yeah. here. Um, but he's going to obviously take, take care of it and, uh, takes him out back, so t- to speak. Takes him out back, and you know he makes it easy. So I'm going to walk over there and look at the stars, and we get that wide shot, the gorgeous wide shot of the gunshot, um, and yeah. where he just walks up behind him. I actually one of my favorite shots of the episode is when they're walking out, uh, and makes behind them. It's a you know f- from the front of Werner, but it's over the shoulder, and makes just out of focus. Mm. Like he's walking yeah. behind them constantly. It's like Ver- Ver- knows he's there. He can't see him, but he just knows he's coming, and he doesn't know when he's going to shoot, but he knows it's coming. Yeah. Um, it is a fantastic scene, um, and this this was before the the court the you know the hearing scene, and it was yeah. like damn, <laughs> like it just hit me. That with... that moment of of Mike uh, pulling the trigger with the wide shot mm-hmm. could have been a a season ending shot. It could have been, yeah. Um, in fact, I one of my favorite things as well is that when Mike's on the phone and he's speaking to Gus, like so you know someone was on the phone pretending to be one of your guys. Do you have any idea who that is? And Gus just says. Yes, like he just yeah. knows it was that you know it was Layla who came to see him. He just knows yeah. it's him, yeah. uh, and I like that. Um, you know, and we're seeing with Gail, of course, and Gus is pissed that his his basement's not finished. He's he's, he's livid, uh, and makes just there to kind of acknowledge that the job is done, and that's yep. that's pretty much it. But uh, Gail's all excited. But no, this was a fantastic season closer. I I I think there's been such a great arc this season. Of Mike going, you know, deeper into the into Gussie's regime and pulling yeah. bigger jobs, doing darker things, and Saul's journey to finally kind of becoming Saul, making that choice that this is what I'm going to be. Mm. Is, it's, it's been a good. Deal. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I know some people have found it too slow. Like, I know I, a, a guy I worked with really hated this season, thought it was just boring by comparison. But man, I've been so into it the whole time. I, I think the the way the characters are written, I, I, I don't think there's such a thing in this show as a boring scene. I, I don't think it exists. Uh, the way the way the scenes are paced, the way they're directed, the the way the dialogue is yeah, We is have played. had so few criticisms this season. Like, you can probably count the amount of genuine criticisms we've had on one hand. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, the, the, the bell speech. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. That's the biggest flaw of this season is that that's, bell that's, speech. That's the worst part of the season. It's not that bad. It's like, you know, a waste of two minutes, maybe. Yeah. And you know, a feeling of, oh, did we really need that? But that's the worst thing all season. Absolutely. Maybe the worst thing all show, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not willing to stake that just on memory. But you, mm. you should be right. And I, lo- I love that Saul's turn here, that Saul's journey and his moment it's still to do with Chuck. It's still about the relationship that Chuck wouldn't return. And yeah. 
it's beautiful. It makes everything, everything since episode one has felt like part of one journey, uh, as any good serialized TV show should feel like. Um, and here we are. We're, we're kind of getting deep into the into the the mythology of the show at this point because that, that's why I think it's two seasons left at most because I think we're at that point in the story. Well, he's he's Saul now, right? Like that's it. Yeah. Um. So now things we've got left to see his his working relationship with Mike as Saul and Gus through yeah. uh, through proxy and building up his clientele. Yeah. Um, moving locations perhaps as well. Yeah, and, uh, we, we we need to see, you know, the the whatever happens with Kim, and whatever this is going to happen with Lalo and Natural, and, yeah. and yeah, well, no, Lalo and Saul specifically. Oh sure, Lalo yeah, but Na- no Natural's involved because uh, yeah. Saul mentions him when he mentioned Lalo. Uh, yeah, and I think what's good about that is that this, these last couple of episodes have really built up Lalo as this force, this force to be reckoned with in the show, and if that's going to be a big part of the main plot like next season i'm kind of okay with that i think it's actually very confident of them to spend two episodes at the end of a season setting him up for next year yeah yeah because it would have been easy just to bring him in next season start from there right but no and or alternatively just introduce him here at the end and go oh that's your tease this is but no they established him properly yeah enough that i i feel the threat and i understand them as a character to yeah. a point. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll throw more out. Yeah, we don't year. know all his deep motivations, yeah. but we know what he's capable of, and we know his objectives. Yeah. Yeah, so... So, minor complaint would be him Batmaning out of the scene and then just falling through the ceiling was a little bit goofy. Just a lo- little bit on the silly side. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean... What? 30 seconds out of an hour. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Um, although the bell speech was also him, so technically the, the two faults I've had in the past couple of have both been Lalo related, even though everything else I've, I've with them I've liked, so I mean, it's not really it, that I'm worried about them. But... This one, I think it was a, a Lalo character thing, you know, like, oh, okay, mm. no, that was just because it was him. Whereas the bell thing was just the idea of, okay, yeah. let's explain the bell that I didn't like. We, do, Lalo was irrelevant. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um... Better call Saul's very good people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is probably going to rank pretty high on our end of year list, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to promise an already cancelled a Breaking Bad when Saul's finished, but I, I think it's something that's circling the, the possibilities. <laughs> it's possible, yeah. I, I feel I'm like... Because by, by the time we get to the end of this, well, it's you know, five seasons, six seasons, it'll have been you know six years since i've watched breaking bad at that point it'll be perfect time for a dive yeah, in I, i've not seen it since this started yeah and what a week nice slow pace yeah which is actually much slower than i originally watched because I, I i binged uh just before season five started originally so it was, it was only season five i watched you know week mm. to week um so so you got the worst cliffhanger though to wait I for, did, yes. You? I got this, the cliffhanger in the middle of season five where they took a year off between episodes and I was livid at AMC, the bullshit yeah, they you, were pulling. You really should have just waited till five part two. It was, no, it was too good though. I was too into it. Yeah, yeah. It was too good. Anyway, that is Better Call Saul season finale. It is, is fantastic. Uh, is, in a word. So let us know what you thought of the episode, let us know what you thought of the season as a whole, like and subscribe, get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates. If you want to support the channel and the show and everything you do here, head over to patreon.com slash mailfudgetv. You can do that over there, get some bonuses and so on, get some stuff early, uh, but otherwise that is us. So thank you once again for watching and listening, we always appreciate it. Keep watching TV guys, 
Have you got any vanilla? 